previously on Hacker Valley Red. Today, we're switching gears and introducing the first ever season of Hacker Valley Red. We talk about what red actually can do for organizations and what the, the path of somebody in the red side looks like. I think hackers follow the victims. The point of hacking today isn't defacing websites like it was in the 90s when we talked about the BBS scene. Now it's about monetizing data. Data is worth more than oil. And where is that data sitting? Where are those virtual oil fields? They're behind APIs. Hackers know that, so they're learning how to hack them. And the first thing that I, I do is, of course, clarify that hacker is neither good nor bad even though every single news article would have you believe that hacker is a bad thing. But hacker just means someone who solves problems creatively and, and makes things do things that they're not originally intended to do. That's what a hacker does. And an ethical hacker applies that to find problems and fix them, whereas attackers exploit those issues. This is the Hacker Valley Studio Podcast, exploring the human element behind cybersecurity programs and technology. This season is sponsored by Risk IQ. Risk IQ assists organizations by continuously monitoring, extracting, and analyzing intelligence that they've been collecting for over 10 years. RiskIQ has created a comprehensive intelligence graph of the internet, and it's been used by over 100,000 analysts. RiskIQ's platform powers threat investigations and can help your organization map, monitor, and shrink your attack surface while proactively detecting threats in the wild. If you want to learn more, check them out at RiskIQ.com and thank them for also being our season sponsor. What's going on, everyone, and welcome back to Hacker Valley Red. In this episode, we've brought in Lisa Jiggets. She is the founder of Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu. Her mission is to advance information security by promoting networking, education, mentoring, and opportunities for all women and underrepresented groups in cybersecurity. In this episode, we speak about her background what she's doing today, and also her involvement as a penetration tester. It was great getting to know Lisa, and I'm sure everyone is going to love this episode. So let's jump right into it. What's going on, everybody? You are in the Hacker Valley studio with your hosts, Ron and Chris. Yes, sir. Welcome back to the show. Glad to be back again, repping Hacker Valley Red. And today we've brought a guest, but not just any guest. We've brought in a cyber MVP. We have the founder of Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu, Lisa Jiggets. Lisa, it's a true pleasure and honor to have you on the mics and welcome to the show. Well, what a nice introduction. <laughs> MVP, I'll take that. <laughs> but, uh, thank you for having me. <laughs> Lisa, so glad to have you on the show. I feel like I've been seeing you for two years now, at least, if not directly, all of the fruits of your labor over the last couple of years. But for the folks that don't know who you are just yet, would love to hear a little bit about your background and what you're doing today. All right. No problem. So let's see. 
I would start my background maybe even when I was a kid, right? It's kind of leads into how I ended up in this field indirectly, if you will. Because, you know, a lot of people, especially when you're a teenager, you're not thinking about what you're going to do. Or if you are, you probably don't actually end up doing it. <laughs> you know how that goes, right? Mm-hmm. But I've always been a techie, you know, loved gadgets and stuff as a kid. And when I say kid, I'm talking, you know, preteen times here. So I was always breaking stuff, you know, like cracking open gadgets and trying to figure things out and not necessarily putting them back together, but, you know, just trying to understand. So that led into the computer world. You know, my dad brought home a computer one day and, you know, showed me some stuff. And my way forward with that was playing games, but they were DOS games. So, you know, I had to do everything command line initially to get it set up. So, you know, fast forward, I joined the military right out of high school because, well, maybe I should back up. I knew what I wanted to do in a way, like I wanted to do computer stuff and I had my air quotes on, but I didn't know what exactly. But, you know, I watched this movie called Sneakers. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. Of course. Okay, cool. So we're, we're telling our age. Because, <laughs> 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 you know, some people are like, what? You mean hackers? The movie? No, right. let's back up. <laughs> <laughs> So that movie kind of sparked something because it was already that that's kind of stuff was already in me. Like I'm naturally, you know, I like to like investigate and figure things out and like I said, break break into stuff. Right. But I didn't know that kind of thing was was like a, a job or, you know, that is something I could pursue. So I wish I did back then, you know, and of course, nowadays I have so much out there that, you know, even teenagers can get into. So what I'm trying to say is I knew I wanted to always be a hacker, but didn't know the way. So fast forward, doing the military, did that, was doing, you know, IT stuff and still like I wanted to do hacking, hacking. And I got out, went into the government and did some uh, IT stuff there. All along the way of that, you know, I started doing uh, some study, self-studying, taking classes because now I knew that at least it was in the security realm of, of uh, IT. So you know, press forward with different jobs and eventually got my, you know, my way, if you will, to do pen testing. And I'm doing that now. I'm at the company I work for, which I'm very happy and enjoying the work that I'm doing. Uh, we're doing a lot of um, testing of apps and systems in the cloud. Um, so, you know, I've had to to force myself, if you will, to learn because I've always been not against cloud, but intimidated by it. So, I got a taste of it years ago and I got a bill. <laughs> so I was like, oh my God, what the hell? <laughs> I'm not messing with this stuff. <laughs> right. You know, I just didn't get it, but I get it now and I really enjoy um, that's like one of my my new things, if you will, cloud and containerization and all that. So yeah, that's what I do today and I'm enjoying the work I'm doing. And I'm, when I'm not doing that, I'm studying. So that's pretty much my life nowadays. And in a good in a bad or a good way, whatever you want to say it, you know, this whole COVID thing is forcing us to work from home. So you're not having to be in a car for three hours of the day and then, you know, takes you an hour to settle in at home. So that's like good four hours that of extra study time you get. That is good in, in one way of this, this whole mess, but yeah. Right. Yeah. It sounds like a great opportunity. I would love to kind of unravel that a bit. You were saying that you were in the uh, military for some time. And that's kind of where I got my first taste of exposure of the red side of the house. So years and years ago, I was a contractor for a government agency doing offensive ops. I would love to hear about what was the 
state of cybersecurity when you were in the military? Were there opportunities like pen testing or red teaming, anything like that? What was the situation back then? So this is interesting because I was not in the career field for IT. I think um, in the Air Force, they, they call it co- communications, which now I think they have a whole, you know, all these new, new, uh, I don't know what we call them, divisions, I guess, right. new areas, right? So, you know, these guys now are so lucky and I'm so jealous. You know? <laughs> I know. But they, they didn't, you know, there wasn't all that back then. Um, the only thing, what really, really got me started, I was doing like sysad stuff. Right. And then I didn't get into security, if you want to say it, call it that, towards the end of my time doing IA, information assurance. So that's when, you know, FISMA came out and you got a CNA, all your, your systems, the government systems. So I got a taste of that then, you know, I got out in uh, 02 because of 9-11 pushed me back. So around 2000. 99, 2000, I was doing like, quote, security stuff, but it wasn't like full blown. Like I would think, you know, have done it since then. You're going on to sites and doing the assessment, you know, vulnerability assessments and then analyzing and, and whatnot. So I would say, yeah, now, now these days are, are definitely much better. And, uh, well, they got freaking cyber command, you know, right. <laughs> definitely, <laughs> definitely, you know, in that direction um, now, but you know, it is what it is. I made the best of the situation and found my way, my own way. Outstanding. I'd love to hear a little bit about that breaker mentality that you had when you were younger. You said you like to break things, but not necessarily put them back together. <laughs> yeah. So where where does that come from? And, and how has that led you down this path on the red side? I don't know. I think I'm just naturally curious. Like the kid that asked why, and then why of the why? That was me. <laughs> like, I need <laughs> yeah. to understand how this works. Like, I don't get it. And there's still a lot of things I don't get with electronics and stuff like that. But that's that's later down the road of stuff I want to learn. But I don't know. Just natural curiosity with having done multiple personality tests, um, just the online ones. It always says, you know, like your architect type, you like, uh, you would be a good detective. So, you know, mm-hmm. the challenge and trying to figure out why or how. That's mm-hmm. me. Yeah. So I think I'm making the best of my natural abilities, <laughs> you know, doing right. what I'm doing because I am having fun. But I would say just to, you know, my other half of my brain also, I don't know which side is actually using it for, like I do art too. So I like to paint um, mm. abstract type stuff. And I eventually want to incorporate, you know, the techie into the art somehow. I don't know if it's, if I want to go down a machine learning path or wearable tech path. So as you can see, I'm like a geeky geek, but there's so much to learn. Like I can't focus. <laughs> I think that's my problem. But I can recall like Walkmans, you know, yeah. CD players, um, even like toys. It's like, how does this work? And you break, well, a lot of times you break and you just can't fix it. You know, <laughs> so <laughs> that's part of the reason why I didn't put it back together. But yeah. So I'm, I'm so glad you brought up art because it's interesting how... Over, we've almost had a hundred or so episodes at this point. And each time we talk to a, a technical practitioner, there's always that creative side to them. And uh-huh. we love the fact that you brought up art. And when you are in art, and you know, Ron and I are artists in different ways as well, there's always a flow state. So, do you feel like that you get in the same flow state on the artistic side that you do on the 
the pen testing side? Or would you say that those are, are two different modes for you? I would say totally. And I'm wondering if that if that's not just between those two industries, you know, like I think when somebody gets in their flow, you're in your flow for whatever it is you're doing. It's almost like you're being in a, in a meditative state, if you will, because I definitely when I'm painting, I'm in the flow and it takes me a couple canvases, <laughs> you know, before I get in that flow. And just like, you know, in the labs, uh, I'm actually working on the cert. So I'm in the labs and you know, working on these, these boxes, I'm like, I have to get in, I can't be distracted with the hubby or work. Like I need my, my good four or five hours there where I'm, I'm not distracted because it takes me a good, probably 30 minutes to an hour to get in my flow again. So, right. Yeah. I think that they, they, it's the same flow, whether between whichever one I'm doing. Yeah. Interesting. And, you know, as you kind of talk about that, a lot of things pop into my mind, especially when it comes to, tinkering until you come to some conclusion. Maybe you break yeah. something, you can't put it back together. Maybe you can and you can't put it back together. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully you didn't get into too much trouble for that in the past. But I do yeah. think that's where the overlap between cybersecurity and all these other domains come into play. Because until recently, cybersecurity wasn't really documented that well. There wasn't that many tutorials and videos and resources. So you That's had why it to... took me so long. You know, when I knew <laughs> yeah. what I wanted to do finally, I was like, I don't even know where to start. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> I did look, you know, this was still on modem days when I first started trying to figure out how to do, you know, hacking, if you will. And I remember, I don't even know what browser or freaking search engine was out then, but I pulled up stuff and I just saw a whole bunch of like, just a lot of information. I was like, I don't get it. Oh, you know, I just, I just didn't have a way to take all that in. And again, back to, you know, the current, current days now, like there's so many, so many opportunities and resources to learn. It's just, it's just crazy that if, if you know, someone's trying to, to get into the field, like there's really, you know, no reason you can't start self-studying on the stuff. It's just right. it's too much stuff out there. Yeah, but we, it was harder back then, you know. <laughs> One of the things that I did do, you know, when I was tinkering, if you will, was this. I was actually out of the military working at my first, um, my first job. <laughs> I was at the um, Department of Interior doing, uh, you know, I was in the IT bracket there. And I got the guys in the basement there. There were contractors that were um, managing the knock. So I said, can you open up a spam port, you know, so I can like. I built a um, IDS box, actually with Snort. I was trying to learn Snort, so got that hooked up. I had like, you know, set up a little firewall, and then I went for my house over over the modem. I think I did an SSH or VNC type thing. I was like, oh my god, this is so cool! <laughs> yeah, there <laughs> you, you know? go. <laughs> <I'm in>. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it was it was pretty cool because like in the firewall piece that I set up on that um, Snort box, I was like seeing IPs from China. I was like, oh my God, this is so cool. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That's one of the things that I love about the industry is like you'll you'll take all of these pieces of information, whether it's firewall, and we've even had some guests on this season that were of a psychology background, neuroscience, and they taken even that experience and applied it towards offensive operations, red teaming, pen testing, social engineering, you name it. So there's just like, like you're saying, there's just so much overlap. One of the things that I would love to hear kind of like speaking of the overlap is what made you commit 
to looking at pen testing? What what attracted you so much to that side of the house rather than the defensive side of the house? Good question. You know, at this point, I, I still want to say that I want to learn more of the, the blue side because I think that makes you more balanced. But what drove me, again, it, it's just something in me. Like, I, I have the challenge to... I don't know the challenge to break into stuff. <laughs> of course, I, none of this is malicious in a way, but just that challenge, like uh, first, how is it done? And then, you know, you're trying to find all the pieces online or wherever and to do it. And then once you're in, it's like a video game. It's like, Oh, I got it. You know, I'm on to the next level. <laughs> so, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just, it's really a game for me in, in a sense of my mentality of, getting into a box and I will Google the crap out of something. <laughs> it's interesting too, Google versus DuckDuckGo with the results you get on, on stuff. But um, I will figure it out. And before I go ask somebody for help, and I think that's helped me in the long run, just to be able to figure things out and know the process to figure those things out. And I think I'm lucky because, you know, I don't know how everyone else thinks, but I know the way I think and it works for me. So, yeah. Yeah, no, that's great. I love that you brought up games and and gamification because I feel like on the, on the red side, gamification is like super easy. We had Alex Rice on from hacker one, obviously big on bug bounty and bug bounty is just a gamification, but with real impact. Would you say that the red side is going to continuously get better faster because of gamification. Do you think there's ever going to be a state in where we find like the blue game that would make everybody excited about the blue side? What do you think about that stuff? Hmm. That's a really good question. I think, well, from a company perspective anyway, um, and those are the guys that are, are building the teams for the blue side, but like it always seems to come down to, I'm not going to get hacked. So my, right. my security is going to be lax or whatever until it happens. Now you're all for it, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and, um, I don't know. I think that's maybe the way, I don't know. It's a human way of thinking or something. I don't know. But I personally am more of a proactive type person and over planner, all that stuff. So it drives me crazy when, you know, even, even down to like your cell phone level with your friends, I'm like, you're not using a VPN you're doing this, you're doing that, <laughs> you know, I'm like, <laughs> guys, come on, <laughs> you know? Right. So I think it's just one of those things. Like I said, I wish I knew more of the blue side because I love that challenge again to find the attacker or find that malware, if you will. I just don't know how to do it right now. So I'm concentrating on offensive stuff. So. Yeah. It's almost like you are the malware. You're trying to, <laughs> you don't necessarily <laughs> yeah. know how to stop yourself yet at this point. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Too powerful for your own good. (laughs) You know, I actually wondered about the whole gamification on the blue side of the house just because it's amazing because like you were mentioning, Chris, HackerOne, they offer money behind their competitions and their bounties. And I don't think we have something like that for blue. Maybe we need to like start taking people's money away if they don't participate in these uh, capture the flags or challenges to make that side of the house more interesting and better <laughs> or maybe yeah, even maybe, like yeah if they make it interesting and of course if you offer money that's always a good incentive it might work or like take a config and make this more secure and then that's your flag <laughs> and yeah, like, yeah there yeah. you go <laughs> well you know they 
I don't know, the hackathons out there, they're not necessarily secure code review type things. They're trying to right. build a product or something, an app or something. But that is actually a good idea. Yeah. You know, and speaking of that, I think if we were to build something like that, there would be a lot of people that would say, oh, you didn't take this into account. This isn't right. This isn't how blue team and defenders do X, Y, and Z. And I'm sure it's the same for pen testing. You might experience another pen tester who has a different methodology and different ways of doing things. Would love to hear a little bit more about the the Women's Society of Cyber Jitsu. I think that's a huge thing. I think it's almost a household name at this point. Would love to hear about the, the beginnings of that and, and what you guys are doing today. Oh, yeah, sure. So WSC, for short, was started officially in 2012. And I was on the end of a, uh, a contract at this particular job. I decided to quit because of some BS drama. The environment wasn't healthy. So I was like, I'm out. <laughs> and in that time, that downtime between jobs, this training concept came to me and I couldn't sleep for weeks. You know, my husband, I was running it by him and uh, he pretty much pushed me, you know, to, to run with it. And um, I met up with a friend of mine because at the time it wasn't just going to be for women. I wanted to get novices together and do hands-on training. That's always, you know, my thing, but I'm, you know, going further into it. I was like, you know what? I know there's other women like me that want to learn more of this stuff. So, and by that time, I had learned much more in pen testing. I didn't know what I know now, but I knew enough to feel comfortable sharing the knowledge that I learned. And I said to myself, I know there's other women out there like me that want to learn this stuff and be hands-on. So I actually started a meetup group first, and I had an LLC tied with that because I was also trying to get government contracts and do that that thing, right? Mm -hmm. So it's almost like two jobs, trying to work two jobs while not officially working, if you will. It didn't work out. <laughs> GovCon is like its own world. And I was like, that's not for me. It's too much work. Right. So put all my energy into building WSC. And, you know, it was, I had a simple thought back then. I just wanted to have hands-on workshops, <laughs> basically, you know, let yeah. people get um, hands-on experience in, in these, these areas that you don't typically see women doing. And what further that was also, you know, thinking about me in this field what I had and didn't have to help me. I had a couple mentors, but they weren't security. You know, back when in the Air Force days, I had a couple mentors, uh, a couple guys, and they, they were definitely helpful. So I would say the sex does not matter who you your mentors are, who you mentee or mentor. So one of the things that I would, you know, I'm always curious about is the idea that you started this organization to help yourself. Chris and I, we actually started the podcast because we wanted to have engaging conversations with ourselves and other people to kind of promote this awareness and diversity and thought and leadership in cybersecurity. But really, it's it's an opportunity for Chris and I to further ourselves, to build relationships, and to also reach out to people at scale. I would love to hear what was the first type of members you had in WSC? Were these also other cybersecurity practitioners or were they from other fields hoping to break into cyber? There wasn't any place to go that I felt comfortable going. There were other hacker groups out there 
uh, tried to go to one. It was, it was just not working. So Mm -hmm. I said, well, I know a little bit of this and um, let's just see. Uh, Cause you know, by the time I actually kicked out the first workshop, the meetup group had, I don't know, maybe 50, 50 members. Right. So when I posted like six months later for the first workshop is enjoying all this, I'm looking for a venue, you know, all that stuff, whether it was between my spamming and emailing people that I knew (laughs) and, you know, meet up doing its thing. We had about 12 women come to the workshop and I had a couple online. It was, was, I think it was Google something back then, but most of these women were IT, but not heavy uh, security folks or were looking to get in security. And granted, we have a lot of women that weren't even in tech at all and wanted to transition. So we've seen a, a lot of good stuff um, come out from that. And, and, you know, some, some of the women that like one was a CPA, you know, one was a program manager, not no tech. So those are good stories we like to share because I think anybody can learn this stuff, but is the environment going to help you or hinder you? You know, cause like, I've been the only woman in an advanced boot camp, and it, it can be intimidating. And I think it depends on where you're at in your life, you know, your personal strengths and weaknesses. Because now I'm not like afraid to raise my hand and ask a question. I don't care what you think about my question, you know. <laughs> but back then, I was like, oh, I don't, know. I don't want them to think I'm like, you know. So mm-hmm. that was, I know how, I know that feeling. I was like, I want to build something where uh, women can learn and learn technical stuff and, and apply it to being in this field or, or getting into the field and feel comfortable. And what we saw was like, and I'm, I'm fast forwarding to when we actually built the nonprofit, which was a, like a year later, like even for non-technical workshops, because we do have some soft skills ones in there, that the, I guess the camaraderie and the, mm-hmm. the, the confidence that you see these women come out just from that one workshop. I was like, wow, this is awesome. And we have, you know, a lot of uh, great testimonials um, that have come about, you know, from, from, from women sitting in these workshops that helped them in their jobs and get jobs. I was like, that's freaking awesome, man. <laughs> you know? So <laughs> yeah. when you, when we're like so busy and tired, that's what pushes us to keep going because we are all volunteers. Mary, our CEO now, we just started paying that position, you know, for longevity purposes, but that just shows how hardcore, passionate all the volunteers are with us because we, you know, we're straight up. Like we want, we want you to learn. We're, we're here for you. We support you. And that's really all I ever wanted. So I'm pretty happy with where we're at right now, but granted, you know, nonprofits need money. So we're always fighting for that, but yeah, everything's going great with that. Yeah, we're, we got chapters growing across the nation, so lots of good stuff. That's incredible. You know, I, I've brought this lyric up a few times on the podcast, and it's something that I've always echoed in my mind because I, much like you, when I first got into cybersecurity, there weren't a lot of groups that were super accepting of me. And so the lyric mm. is, if I'm not going to be part of the greatest, I got to be the greatest myself. And so that's part of the reason Ron and I developed the podcast, built our own community. And now we have like this entire network of people that know and love us and appreciate the stuff that we put out. Would you say you felt like you you sort of had that same concept, that same philosophy when, when you built these things? Definitely. 
And because like I said earlier, there or maybe I didn't, but that was one of the main reasons why I started it because there was nowhere for me to go, you know? And then of course, the only group that I saw that was out there was Black Girls Code. Of course, they they help uh, younger girls code, but there was nothing else out there, nothing. So had there been, I would have joined that group. And of course now, you know, there's lots of groups out there, which is great. So um, lots of content, lots of opportunities and resources, but for sure, I'm the type I'm a, I'm a doer. I'm, I'm like action oriented. Anybody will tell you that. Like I get ish done, <laughs> if you will. <laughs> That's kind of our motto with WSB. Like we get stuff done, you know? Love that. Internally. Yeah. So it sounds like there's a lot of things that WSC can help someone with, especially when looking at females and maybe un- underrepresented groups in technology. What is something that you would kind of say to anyone that's listening that wants to look into WSC? What are some of the things that you think that really empower and excite the newest members? I would say your opportunity to get hands-on training. Like that's that's kind of our niche. And of course, you know, the the support system you're going to get. And the opportunities, uh, regardless of your actual location, are greater than, of course, when we first started. So my vision was at any weekend we do a workshop, you can attend from anywhere, right? Because I'm just thinking for me back then, I wish I could just be looking over somebody's shoulder to learn. I would take that, you know, right. and now you can actually do it. You can participate um, online. So it's like, it's amazing now. So I would love to hear from you for folks that are looking to either get into the red side or just cybersecurity in general. What's a good piece of advice you like to share with people to actually get into the space and thrive? So I, I, I have two things. I always have to say networking for one, and that's not the OSI model networking. That's the <laughs> networking with people, <laughs> right? <laughs> I think that's one of the biggest things you can do. I mean, you can go without it, but it's much easier and, and a faster track if you start making connections early on because you never know. You just never know who knows who and the job pops up. It doesn't get on the job boards. You know, they make a phone call or email to somebody that makes or sends an email to you. Like, hey, we got something you want it. I mean, that's how I've gotten a lot of my previous jobs worth of people I knew. And then my other thing is, I guess you could just put in the bucket of get your skills up, however you would do that. I'm a big proponent of home labs. And of course, now with with um, all these platforms out there, you can do it all online. You don't actually need like a, a VM or anything. You can just, you know, there's a lot of sites out there that host pen testing environments for you. So I would explore that. And, and of course, Google the crap out of everything, but try to focus on what you think you want to do. A friend of mine and I kind of go back and forth on this piece here about knowing the technology. For me, I feel like how can you pen test something you don't know, like technology wise, even like now, like I told you, I just had to learn cloud when I started this because I realized that, you know, I think of course many companies are going to cloud, but how am I going to do my job? So I fire hose learned cloud and, and Kubernetes and all that. So very comfortable with that now, but you have to take initiative to some extent. Like you can't just sit in a class or get a degree and expect a job offer. 
because there's a million other people applying for the same job with the same level. How are you going to get the edge for yourself? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. You can get some certs or whatever, but I think initiative shows, are you, are you going to meetups? Are you doing CPFs? Are you going to conferences? I mean, there's so much stuff out now. I don't think there's an excuse if you really want to get into the field. And that's another good thing about the field too. People kind of flush themselves out <laughs> mm-hmm. because once they realize this, this is, this is a lot, like you can't just sit here and do a nine to five. Well, unless you're in the government, but anyway, um, <laughs> I can say that because I was in the government, <laughs> you know, but, um, you have to, you have to go the extra mile sometimes and just kind of keep up. You will lose out of the, the tech fast. Cause I was like on a two year break between jobs and it was rough, you know, looking mm-hmm. for a job. Cause I, I was like, dang, this is what's wrong with my resume here. Like what is going on? So, you know, definitely got to keep abreast at all times. I think, you know, just here and there, you know, if you're subscribed to podcasts like yours <laughs> or <laughs> other, other, you know, websites and whatnot. Um, this is not one of those, you know, go to work and, and no, I don't, I don't believe in that for this, for this field. Right. Lisa, it was an honor to have you on this season of Hacker Valley Red. Sincerely from our hearts, thank you so much for being on the mics with us today. For folks that want to stay up to date with you and all the things that you have going on and things going on with WSC, what are the best ways that people can do that? I would say our LinkedIn page and Twitter are where we broadcast the most uh, information. And of course, our website, uh, womenscyberjitsu.org. I think Twitter and LinkedIn are the best ways and I'm, I'm, I'm available on those platforms as well, personally. So, you know, if anybody wants to reach out, definitely um, open to that. Perfect. We'll be sure to put those in the links and the show notes below. Really appreciate it, Lisa. Thank you so much. And we'll see everyone next time. Thank you. 